Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth for Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. I was the girl who looked for love in boys and Bacardi and wouldn't be caught dead at a Bible study. Now I wrote a book and recorded this podcast about how I learned that God isn't a bunch of rules, but in fact, He gives us absolute freedom. I also speak to college women nationwide about how my background in marketing led me to see the $100 million power of influence college women have over the marketplace. Yet these same college women are crying into their latte over some stinking boy. Basically, I've learned that today's 20-somethings are believing the same lies I believed when I was that age. And I am on a mission to replace those lies with truth. People call me a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, my heart is to be who I needed when I was younger and to bring you the best available truth for your 20s. Hello, friends. Today, I am sharing with you my real-life friend, Kylie Smith. Kylie was a student at Georgia Southern University, where I started mentoring and having coffee dates with college students and kind of started really the passion of what I'm doing now. And I get to watch Kylie grow up from a college student to a working class person to all the amazing things she's doing now. So Kylie, just say hello to our friends real quick. Hey, everyone. I'm so happy you let me be on this podcast with you and be able to share my story. Yes. And her story is so inspiring. We reconnected recently and I got to know what she has walked through and her story is just so, gosh, I think that every young woman needs to hear it. So that's why she's here. She had a broken engagement, but there's so much more to the story to unpack. And she was willing and able to share it with you guys. So that's what we're going to talk about. But Before we dive into that, can you just kind of tell our listeners where you are now geographically, what you're up to, and a little bit about you? Yeah, so I recently just moved back to home, which is Georgia, from Nashville. And currently, I am in school at Colorado Christian University to become a mental health counselor. I am loving being near my family. I am joining my friends. And right now, I just, I'm just... taking it one day at a time just to figure out what the Lord wants me to do in this next season of life. And you are engaged and no longer, and there's a lot to unpack there. So can you kind of just start with that relationship, where it was headed, a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Okay. So I was the girl in college who, just to back up for all this happened, who was the one who read all the books about marriage, dating. Um, I even did Stephanie Mae Wilson's like how to enjoy your single life. I love that course. Um, she made us join like this Facebook group. So I was able to connect with girls from around the country. I truly took the time. I was like, okay, Lord, like I'm excited. Like I'm gonna take a year off from dating, just like Andy Stanley told me to, and I'm just going to like dive into this. Um, cause I was living with Nashville, um, with my best friend who I met through AD Pi, And, uh, I just wanted to make sure I was well prepared after I moved up there. I had a, we had to work at a boutique because we didn't get jobs in our field right away. Nashville is one of those cities. Like you kind of just have to move up there and then work at a place and then you'll find a job where you're supposed to. 
So amidst all that, I ended up landing a job as a recreational therapist at a place called NHC in Franklin. And I was super excited because I had just passed my certification exam and I was ready to tackle on the this field that I was in and ready to help my patients. And in November of 2017, uh, as where I met uh, my ex-fiance, he was actually a patient of mine and that's how we met. So he was in- When you say patient, what were you doing specifically? Uh, recreational therapy. So okay. I was like in the um, rehab place. Okay, awesome. And I walk in the room and I was like, oh my goodness, God had just landed this young boy in this place where it's supposed <laughs> to be for older adults. I thought, oh, okay, like this is awesome. I thought he was like really attractive and good looking. So we started talking and just having like kind of like coffee dates. I would bring him Chick-fil-A and Starbucks to his room and we just hit it off. Um, so he ended up uh, discharging in February of 2018. And that was exactly when I had started taking my um, year off from dating. I'd started in February 2017 and it had been uh, February 2018. And I was, so, was like, oh my goodness, God, like you just, this is perfect timing. Like, okay, this is like in your will for me to find somebody. Like I am so excited and pumped. And so we just started like hanging out and um, getting to know each other more, going on dates. We would go to like Preds games together. We would, um, I visited his family in New York. He would, he came down to Easter and came to see my family. Everything just seemed like it was going well. So that was in February, 2018, we started dating. And then he ended up proposing to me in January of 2019. My parents came down and he, I thought he was just going to like ask my parents permission for marriage because I told him that it was really important to me to make sure you have a solid yes um, in order for you to get down on one knee. And so he, he asked my parents and then he said, and then he got down on one knee and proposed to me. And I said, yes, I thought, you know, everything was going to go great. Like we were getting married. Um, he had um, bought a house so then in March of 2019, right after we had gotten engaged, he kept on making these statements to me, like, if you're going to show me commitment, like you need to move in with me. And I was just kept on like wrestling with that. Like I knew deep down that was not what I had planned or that is not what I had written down and what I was going to do before I got married. Married, I was a person like I wanted, I was like a committed person to him. And because he kept on like, pressuring me, pressuring me. And my family was far away and my friends were too. I ended up making a mistake and I ended up moving in with him. And that's when things just started going downhill a few months after that. I felt like it was just more of like playing house. He started to isolate my friends and my family. And it was more of like gravitating towards his family to the point of where they had like bought me a brand new BMW car. They started just really become more influenced into our relationship. And then it I felt, seemed like my family was just kind of like pushed to the side. And I did not enjoy that whatsoever. It was, it started to become like a red flag. But then again, I was like, well, maybe it's just because they're five hours away and just my parents are full-time workers and his mom is, doesn't work all the time. Maybe that's, you know, something, um, or maybe he doesn't mean it. And then, um, then I realized 
things were just going really bad. When in September, I attended a Sorry Sisters wedding. And I remember my friend Bailey was like, hey, do you want to hang out, like get dinner, you know, that Friday before the wedding? And I was like, hey, like, let's go get dinner with my, you know, best friend. And then he started making statements of, you should have told your friends that this was like going to be like a vacation for us. You, uh, I can't believe you would want to do this. And just started like, just putting these statements in my mind that normally I would have been on that and I would have gone down to Charleston and seen my best friend hung out with her. Like that's who I was as a person. And so I had to like make up an excuse of why I couldn't come or why we weren't able to meet them up. So that also like put a bug in my brain of like, why, why would he want to like, just not want me to see my friends? I feel like I see him all the time. And then here he is like making up this whole excuse about not wanting to try to make it to see my family or friends. So he was saying basically like he didn't want you to hang out with your friends. Yeah. That's what it made it seem like. Like, I just felt like there was no time for me to hang out with them. He was always just like, he would make statements like all you do, your family um, causes pain and suffering. Um, he, I just felt like he hated, he has a social anxiety too. Mm-hmm. So he didn't like being around like a bunch of people. And I get that, but for, for you to know like how much I love my friends and I haven't seen them in a while. And for you to get mad at me about that, about wanting to see them while we were mm-hmm. on a weekend trip, that was like a huge red flag. Um, and it was just constant fighting of like, you did this wrong. You, you should have done it this way. I can't believe you didn't think about me in this situation and how I feel. That's what it just kept on going. I could never like have a voice and say what I really wanted. And I was, wasn't really able to communicate that to them. I felt like that little voice in your head was like taken away from me. And it was replaced by his voice of what he wanted or he needed. Hmm. And then in November of that same, same year, I was in my best friend from high school's wedding. And I remember waking up that morning and packed the car. I was ready to go. And then all of a sudden he said he has an anxiety attack and freaks out and says he can't come with me. And I was excited to show him off to my friends and let them meet him. And he ended up calling me on the way there. and was like, I can't believe you left me there on the floor. You should have like checked on me or stayed there. And so it was just like all these excuses. I felt like I could never trust him to follow through with some kind of event that I had. But if it was meeting up with his friends or if it was going to see his family, I was always there. I was made sure I took off work. I made sure I was at my best and I was able to hang out with them and give them my 100%. Last wedding, he was like, I don't want to go, but you can't go without me, essentially. Like, I mean, you went, but he got mad at you for going. Yeah, he got mad at me going and saying that um, I I left him there on the floor because he was having like an anxiety attack. And so he put all the blame on me. And then in December, I was, we were supposed to like go down to Georgia for four days. And then we were supposed to fly to Buffalo and we had our plane tickets booked, everything. And then all of a sudden he was like, I don't think we can do both trips. That's just going to be a lot on me. And so I was like, well, 
I personally can't miss Christmas. I, with my family, like that's just always been a tradition for me. And so he made me tell my parents that uh, we can't come down until like two days before Christmas Eve. And they were so excited for us to come down and they had everything planned out and ready to go. And I just, he just made me like, again, make another excuse for him of why we couldn't come down. Like one of the excuses was, oh, it's raining. Like it would be bad for us to come down in this weather and all this stuff. And just normal things that I, wouldn't come out of my mouth. And so my mom just continued to get suspicious. My parents were already on edge and about me getting married. And so this was like, this kind of just sealed the deal when, again, another plan just kind of fell through. It got to the point where my parents even talked to him on the phone and they were just like really disappointed. And they just said like, I just feel like you're trying to isolate Kylie from us. And he said, no, no, I'm not. But again, like your actions speak louder than your words. And so if you're saying things, but it's not coming through, it's going to be the opposite. And so it was just frustrating. And we ended up coming down the day before Christmas Eve. And he said he got sick and that he needed to leave the next day. And so I was like, are you serious? And um, he ended up, I ended up catching him in a lie. He was talking to his parents on the phone And he told me that his parents told him that I needed to take him back to Tennessee right then and there. And then his parents called me and said, hey, Kylie, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, he says he's sick. But I mean, I just feel like he just needs to get like either a hotel room or just take a walk and just take some time to reboost himself. So that way he can spend time with your family. I just don't feel like it's right for him to leave your family like this and just go back home. So that was like when trust was truly broken at that point was Christmas Eve when I caught him in that lie. So he said he wanted to get away from your family, but even his family was saying that that was ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I caught him in that lie. And so that's when like my whole trust was broken. And but I'm that type of person. I kind of give chance after chance after chance until I'm left depleted and then my, I remember my mom and dad just sat down with me right after he left. And they said, Kylie, like, your dad does not feel comfortable giving you away to him. I feel like there needs to be some kind of reconciliation or something. But we just don't even feel comfortable attending your wedding. Wow. And that was like a heart stabber. Um, I just felt like oh my goodness, if my parents said this. And then of course my sister did not approve whatsoever. She was trying to like get me to rethink my decisions this whole time. And I was just like, maybe you're just being too judgmental of, you know, him. And that's just what I kept on saying. But once I heard that come out of my dad and he saw the true image of him, that's when I really started going back and I started to really pinpoint what was going on. In our, in our relationship. And I had to figure out if I was truly happy or not, or if I just kind of wanted to get married because everybody else was, and I kind of wanted mm. to fit in. 
So right there, girl, that is <laughs> so many women like, do I really want to spend the rest of my life with this human or do I just want to get married? And which that's so crazy when you think about it, because after the reception, after the gifts are open and after everyone goes home, you have the rest of your life. And so many people get caught up in the wedding and it's so crazy, but that's so true. Exactly. And I think to me, the reason why too, I stayed in it is because we were not only getting marriage counseling, but we were also seeing a counselor at this point. And I remember just talking to her, I would go to see her individually and then we would see her together. And the problem was, I think I told her right after I came back home, I so wanted to heal the relationship between him and my family. And I was trying to pinpoint why wasn't he showing up for my special events that it overlooked the true reason of what was going on in our relationship, which was the verbal and emotional abuse and the manipulation. And that's when I realized, oh, my word, it's not about the missing events. It's not about me trying to heal this family issue with mine and him. It was actually what was he was saying to me. I remember him saying, um, you need to grow the F up, Kylie, and be a grown woman instead of a scared child. And he would also say, I'm sick of babysitting you. And there you go, running away from your problems. So it was like constant just Mm -hmm. phrases that were just used to the point when I looked in the mirror, like I didn't know who I was anymore. Like I was not this smiley Kylie that people used to know. I was losing my hair. I could barely stay awake at work because some nights I would just cry myself to sleep. Even my boss was like, Kylie, is something wrong with you? Like, I just, I just feel like you're not the same person who you were like when you started working here. And for her to say that and like her, my coworkers, you know, to pick up on that, that's when I really knew to like, there is, there's something wrong with me. Like it's affecting my work and just my friendships. I was just surviving and not thriving, basically. Yeah. So you were the girl who was very intentional about dating, you know, doing these courses, making the best of, you know, taking a year off of dating, which I highly recommend. I think that's awesome. And get into this relationship that is not what you had planned. And I'm sure these are like tiny decisions, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, one step at a time. So I want to unpack that. But first, uh, just talking about what this guy, you know, he seems like perfect and everything's good on this kind of honeymoon phase, right? We all first start dating, but then you see the signs of, I want to hang out with my friends and my family all the time. But when it comes to your friends and your family, I have all these excuses and I'm magically sick and I'm anxiety and blah, blah, blah. And so you basically can't have a life, but my life is super important. And I'm all about the two becoming one, but at some point you have to honor and respect each other's life too, you know, each other's, um, family and friends. So, so is that a good recap about what's happening? It is. Yes. And, uh, I was also hiding the, um, verbal phrases that were said to me. I never told the, I never told the counselor. I never told my parents. Of course, I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell my sister. I basically just try to tell them the good stuff because I knew if I had told them the raw footage of actually what was going on, I knew that they would just be like, Kylie, we've had enough, like we're coming. And I I just wanted it. I was just the person that I just didn't want it. I didn't want it to like, 
breakup or anything because then yeah. in my mind that would just be like a failure for me. And yeah. so I was just trying my best to try to work out our problems. But the fact is, if you are getting abused like that and it's verbally and emotionally, like it's going to take a toll on you. And it's one of those things that marriage is not going to help whatsoever. It's just going to heighten it. And yeah. I just want girls to like realize just because like you think you work it out now, imagine when he had finally has that ring on your finger, then he like specifically will think, Oh, I own you. So it'll turn into more of like an ownership. And then it could, the abuse could even heighten even more than it already is. And a relationship is not worth, it's rather, it's so much better to be single than it is to risk your emotional and your mental and physical health. I personally, <laughs> I love my hair. And so for it to like start falling out, that was, that was hard for me to see and just yeah. to become skin and bones and not be a healthy, um, overall toned person. And someone who you like can look in yourself in your mirror and just say, I love you. And I couldn't even, I wouldn't have been able to say that to myself because I didn't. I felt like I just kept on making the wrong decisions to please somebody and to get this, what we want <laughs> growing up is like not, I mean, we've never, there's no such thing as a fairy tale, but you want your like prince to come into your life and everything and have this picture life that you imagine as a little girl. And so I just, I craved that and wanted it so bad that I kind of was willing to sacrifice parts of me just to get to that point and realize that was a huge mistake. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I heard one time, it was actually a marriage book that your spouse the relationship really can become, it's a rock. It can become a rock in your shoe that slowly, you know, is a little bit aggravating, but can wear and wear and become blisters and become very painful. Or it can become this rock that you lean on and this incredible thing that helps support you when, um, when you feel weak. So it can be a beautiful thing or it can wear you down. And it sounds like, my goodness, you know, your boss is noticing it. Your family is noticing it. You're losing your hair. <laughs> you're losing weight. So obviously you are not at your best self and you're wear down in this relationship. So, well, talk to me real quick about how you were the girl who was so intentional about dating and end up in this toxic relationship. I'm sure it wasn't overnight, but can you look back now and see perhaps a series of what you wish you would have gone back? And, you know, you knew the right things, you knew how to, to be in a, in the right relationship and take those right steps. But was it, was it just making excuses for him or what do you think? How do you think that went sideways? I think it went sideways because I think I got just so clouded and I think, too, I just leaned on the fact of how we met. I felt like this wasn't your typical, like, getting on an app or meeting at a bar. The fact that, like, I was working in this place and that he was there, you know, as a patient, like, I thought the way we met, I thought, okay, this came from God. Like, there's no other way mm -hmm. to explain of how, you know, this could happen. So I held on to the fact of how we met and that's why I think I wanted to stay in it for as long as I did, because I truly thought that this was from the Lord and that the this was it. This was going to be like my forever. I also think mm -hmm. my biggest mistake, too, was my friends who are currently there in Nashville. I didn't let them truly get to know him. 
And I think also that was also like a huge thing. He kind of just isolated me in the fact of, oh, let's just go out to eat, just me and you, rather it being a group setting. And so that's why my best friend, she felt like she couldn't give me reasons of why she didn't like him because she said, I only got to know him like a couple of times. I only met him and I always felt like you were going over to his apartment and then he never came over to ours. And so where I could get to know him. So that was also like a huge thing to think about was letting your friends get to know them because then they can see you together and they know you who you are and they can decipher if this is real, if this is fake, and they can give you good pointers about that person. So your, your judgment is clouded in wanting all this to work, yet you don't have any outside voices to help you. Right, exactly. And my family was five and a half hours away, and they were like, they just felt like he just kept on sabotaging good events. And so at that point... My sister was done with him. She had met him Easter 2018, and she could just see the um, who he was as a person from the get-go. She's just one of those people that can read people really well, and I felt like she could pick up on it, and she was trying to tell me. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, you're my little sister. Like You're just being judgmental, you know, yada, yada, whatever. And not knowing that she was actually just out there for my best interest, and she could just see see him for who he was. And I think he picked up on that. And that's why there wasn't really a relationship between him and my sister. Well, I heard a sermon once I had to point out talking about how when it looks like a God thing, it doesn't always mean it's a God thing. So, you know, you're taking this year off dating, you see this handsome guy walk into your clinic, you're like, that you think the angels are singing and stuff. But um, it was interesting. It was talking about back when David, as in David and Goliath, he was supposed to become king. And like everyone said he was going to become king. And then he gets in this cave and he is like hiding in the back when King Saul walks in. And the he was supposed to be the next king. David was supposed to be the next king. And so all of his men were like, this is your perfect time to kill the king. Like, this is your moment. You can walk out with his head in your hand and be like, look at me. Now I'm the king. And he's like, this looks like a God thing. But for it to be a God thing, I have to murder. And that is not a God thing. And so I'm looking at back like, oh, this looks like, oh, this divine appointment. But you're being abused and mistreated and clearly not the best version of yourself. And God made and love you. And so obviously this is not a good thing, a God thing to be in this relationship. So I just want to point that out because I think we sometimes get clouded in this magical rainbow of God things and can't see clearly it's not a God thing if it goes against one of those principles. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, I loved his family. I loved his parents. I, when they would come into town, like I was always just hanging out with them. They were you know, texting me and checking up on me. And so I think also I was holding on to that fact and I really wanted to marry into a good family. But then at the same time though, if he's not treating you like he, you know, you should be valued, um, like God values us, then it's not worth it. And they, they probably don't understand the fact that what truly goes on behind closed doors or how a person is when it's like one-on-one because it's so Mm -hmm. easy to put on a face like in front of your family or friends and out in the public. But when it comes down to it, I just felt like I was just living with this 
person who was just complete opposite, who would just constantly just make statements at me that I was like, if you truly love me, you would not even be making these harsh statements to me and phrases that would just degrade me. That dang coronavirus has definitely put a damper on our in-person events, but I am booking virtual keynotes all over the country, and the silver lining is just this week I get to travel, quote unquote, to three different schools all without leaving my house. I am booking virtual keynotes for the Sorority Girls Can Change the World message, and to my surprise, you guys are loving it. I'm hearing tons of great feedback. Shout out to President and Mississippi State. When we got done with our call, she texted me and said, oh my gosh, my phone is blowing up with all of the positive feedback, which is the biggest compliment in all the land. If you know my story as an advisor, I had to sit in those boring meetings where you had the speakers and all of the girls' eyes were glazed over. And I vowed to myself in that moment, if I ever had the opportunity to speak in front of a large group of sorority girls, I would be anything but boring. And I'm taking that same vow to the Zoom calls. We are having as much fun as we can be. And yes, of course, we are still doing a yoga pose as a virtual keynote. And I really don't have a limit on how many chapters I can go speak to because there's no travel involved. So check out katiebulmer.life slash speaking. I'm having so much fun traveling, quote unquote, to different schools this semester. And I would love to add your college to my calendar. Okay, so you eventually made a decision to call this off. You, I'm sure there's so much, but tell me about that and how that went down. So March night, I came up to my boss. I was like, I got to put in my night notice. Like, I need to leave. I realized, like, I'm not in a healthy relationship, and I just got to figure this out. And whether that's taking time off at work and just going back home for a little while to clear my head, that's what I was going to do. And that's when she was like, I get it. I will even ask if you don't even have to fill out your two weeks and you can just do like a couple of days and then you can be done. And so I wrote up a letter to our HR person and I submitted it and she was like, yeah, if you need to leave, like I completely get it. You know, you can go, you can be on good terms with us. We understand. And then it was actually his birthday that night I quit. And I remember getting hibachi for us and I remember just sitting on the couch and I'm one who if I watch a movie most of the time I'm gonna fall asleep because I'm just I'm tired after working and everything is hard for me to stay awake and so I remember falling asleep and then waking after the movie was done and then he was like there you go again falling asleep you know we can't even have a good night together and I was like are you kidding me And so then we just like had it out. He just made statements like, I feel like you need to choose between me and my family because right now I just feel like your family just causes us pain and suffering. And then he would just make statements like, I'm actually not yelling, but I'm holding a lot in. And I was just done. I just kind of went into a freeze mode. And then he would just constantly make statements like, you look terrible. Your hair's falling out. And you need to get yourself together and get healthy is what I hear. And at that point, I was crying. I was you're like, you're the reason my hair is falling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I ended up getting my cell phone and I remember texting my brother and my dad and I was like, I need help y'all. I need help like desperately. This is, this turned out not what I expected. And so my brother came and picked me up from Nashville the next day. Sweet brother. And so he came up and I just remember parking the car because he had given me a car, but it was in his name. And I remember just parking in the driveway and I remember just getting my purse and walking out. I didn't get any of my stuff. And I just, I came back home and I remember just calling him on the way down and he was just like, where are you at? Like I've heard from you. And I was just like, I'm going home. Like I just need time to think about all of this because we're not in a good place. And I left my engagement ring there and he texted me and was like, I noticed your engagement rings here. This really scares me. Um, he, then he said, like, I feel like we weren't both in our right minds through all this. And we can come back to the reason of why we love each other. And just trying to, like, send me these texts, um, how he loves me. And I was just like, <laughs> I can't. Like, this is just, I just didn't reply. I My parents ended up taking my cell phone once I got home and just wanted me to just detox and just wanted me to make sure I was making the right decision. And so I remember this girl, her name is Laura Darby and she, I talked to her on the phone about everything. She's the one that had gone through the abuse on her honeymoon. And she was like, Kylie, I just feel it in your voice. Like you are desperate for answers and trying to figure out what's the right thing for you to do. And I can just tell you that it's okay to cancel your wedding. It is completely okay because this is the rest of your life. And do you want the rest of your life to look like this? Because I can tell you if he doesn't even care that your dad is nervous about walking you down the aisle, then that shows you right there that he doesn't truly love you. Because if he did, he would say, what can I do to change this? opinion about your dad? What can I do to help? Or was there something that I did wrong? And so for her to say that, just really just, I just felt like a breath of fresh air was just in my body. I just felt so relieved. And then for her to say that, because she had walked down the same path I had. So, and Laura got abused on her honeymoon. Right. That's right. That's what you mm-hmm. said. Wow. Yeah. He threw the, her ring at her and his ring. So it turned into a physical abuse. Wow. So for her to say that was just always firing. And for her to say her sister was nervous about her getting married. And I was like, wow, my sister doesn't want me to get married. And she's trying to do everything in her power to make sure it doesn't happen because she knows the type of person I need in my life. And that just wasn't lining up with him. Yeah. So how, um, what's the timeline? Like when it was your wedding date versus when this happened? Okay. My wedding date was, April 18th of this year. And then she talked to me in March. Oh, wow. So like a month. Yes. Okay. So a month before you are supposed to get married. So I'm assuming you have a dress and flowers and all of the things lined up already. Oh, yes. I had everything. (laughs) Oh, okay. So talk to the girl who is possibly in that situation and like, it's going to be fine. We're going to get through it. Even though there's a million red flags, even though my family doesn't want me to marry him, even though my sister doesn't want me to marry him, it's going to be fine because I've already bought the flowers and booked the, the venue. Like what, what were you thinking? And like, how did you get through that? 
I just kept on thinking, this can't be my life. This can't be the way things are. I was like, God, this is not the way I pictured it in in my life whatsoever. But to the girl, I would say, really take time and get out of your relationship wherever you're at, whether that's just going on a weekend trip or just going back home and just take time to just evaluate. And whether that's journaling or making a list, once you do say, I do, then it's going to be a lot harder to unbreak that a marriage because then you have to get a lawyer into your relationship. So for me, I didn't have to get a lawyer to or change back my last name. This was messy, but it's going to be a lot messier if you get married. And I think for girls, we think about, okay, we spent all this money and time into a wedding, but think about it this way. Your guests are going to come there for one night and then you're the one that's going to be living with this person. And this yeah. you're the one who's going to have to deal with this for the rest of your life. And it's like, do you want that to be your life? Are you willing to risk your health for this person? I personally was not going to be okay with that and knowing that my friends and family were completely against it. And then also I thought about money comes and goes that money can be replaced, but Mm -hmm. your first wedding day, that can't be truly to me replaced. So just think about that. Do you want this? Do you really want to spend the rest of your life with this person? And can you love them? And can they give you um, what the Jesus, what Jesus talks about in the Bible about marriage and about husbands and wives. So. Yeah, I was thinking about how marriage is about you know building each other up, and especially when you're in that engagement time, you should be like on top of the moon and glowing, and you're healthiest, and you're in the situation where you're unhealthy and physically suffering from your emotional stress. That's a huge red flag right there. And sometimes when I'm at my worst, Brian helps me, you know, lifts me up and vice versa. And that that's a beautiful part about marriage, not tearing each other down, especially when you're low. So yes, a hundred percent. Like why would you, while marriage is about bringing out the best in each other, why would you sign up for something that sucks the life out of you? Exactly. And then secondly, I would tell girls like, don't do what I did and move in with them. That was a stupid mistake. Um, that I made personally, I knew all along that was wrong. And I think I compromised myself because of that. I think I just, he would just make the statements in to me about you, you, you better show me commitment um, by moving in. And so don't fall for those statements. Be firm. It's really hard. But looking back now, that was personally one of my biggest mistakes. And then also just standing up for yourself. I feel like as women, like we need to learn to communicate and like say what's on your mind. Don't just do what I did and be like the people pleaser in the relationship because you need to have those healthy arguments or those fights and you have to say what's truly on your mind and your feelings. Girl, well, you're so brave. I'm so proud of you. I know that this was, like you said, it was messy, but you know, would you rather clean up spilled milk or a demolished house? Exactly. So it was a mess, but it could have been a lot worse. It's truly better to be single and than to marry the wrong one. I have this, you have this freedom about that. And so don't be afraid to be single. I know it's hard, the whole comparison and the, you know, on social media and your friends, but don't worry about that. It's, it's a better life than to be in a bad, unhealthy relationship. Yes. Singleness is, uh, I don't know why our culture has somehow thought it's not 
as good as being married, but singleness is a beautiful stage. So tell me how you're making the most of your single life now. Right now, I, it's, I'm fighting. I think it's one of those things that you can either be a victim or you can be a warrior in all this. And so I am fighting to be the warrior in this. Um, I am definitely looking for a full-time job. Corona just kind of, because I was in the healthcare field, has made it difficult. But I am full-time student uh, going back to school to become a mental health counselor. And so I just want to work with the women and people who have gone through this and just be able to counsel them through it. And so that way they don't make the same mistake I do. Or if they have, I can talk them through it. Uh, This has been like a passion of mine. And I can see through past patients and families how they've been able to open up to me. And so God has had this passion in me, but I never thought it was possible to pursue this dream because I was like so focused on like finding the one or doing other things. So this has been a great opportunity and I'm excited to start this. And then I am also getting a golden retriever. So I'm going to be a dog mom. Um, so I want to do, I want to like have a therapy dog, train him to be a therapy. So that way, if I do work with kids or younger um, girls, they can like talk to the dog and they feel scared to talk to me. So that's like my future outlook on it. So I'm excited to, wow. and then just try to book trips and stuff with family. Um, I just would have loved to do is travel and so have a road island trip coming up if that works out and just going to different places to visit friends and family during this time that I'm unemployed and <laughs> going back to school. So, yeah, well, you also also have unique circumstances with the virus and everything, but wow, that's not, but you're traveling and pursuing incredible things. And, you know, obviously I'm sure you never would have chosen the, to go through all of this, but you're using it to be a blessing to others and to help others through a similar or, you know, um, hard times like that. I think that's so inspiring. Oh yes. And I forgot to give the red flags for girls who, if you think you're in a toxic relationship or something that I was going through, some of the red flags I wrote down looking back on it was the, of course, the isolation from friends and family, the control. So if you feel like they're, they always have to be in control or have their way for things to go smoothly. Um, also always thinking that things were my fault. So if they can like rephrase the whole situation and make it seem like you're the one who should be apologizing or you're the one who caused this, that's another red flag. Another is you lose yourself. You feel far from God. You're trying to seem happy, but in reality, you're just surviving, but not really thriving in life. And then just be able to communicate your feelings to them. If you're not able to open up, I feel like I was always scared because the environment wasn't set up for me to open up and how I truly thought, then that's also a red flag. If you're holding a lot in, because us women, we need to talk. We need to let our feelings out. So if you can't do that with your relationship, then, and you're just trying to like please him, then that's also like a red flag that you should be aware of. That's awesome. And I'm also curious real quick, you said you had several voices like, Kylie, I don't think this is a good idea. But that's hard to listen to, especially when you you don't want to hear that, you know, you want to hear that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. So what I know it's a series of events, but what would you tell the girl who maybe 
she has several voices in her life saying, I don't think this relationship is a good idea. First of all, not all of those voices are correct. I mean, like I had um, a, a, a grandmother of all people <laughs> who told me I shouldn't marry my husband because, well, basically he was a Christian and believe it or not, my grandmother didn't want me to marry a Christian because uh, I don't know, my, my family is just not really, you know, believers. And so they thought that I was taking the fun out of me by no longer being a drinker and partier. It's crazy. Anyway, so that obviously, you know, not always the case when outside voices are speaking truth to you, when we have a lot of voices saying that, then obviously there's something you need to listen to. But what would you, you know, kind of give advice in that? I would definitely say the Lord, the Lord will definitely, the Holy spirit will speak to you in great ways. I remember looking back on my prayer journals and I remember even praying about the relationship. And I was like, God, you need to show up and tell me like, if this is right, this is wrong. Like, am I with the right person? because that's so important to like pray over your relationship and what you're going through. And so I remember vividly going back and being like, Oh my goodness, tearing my rawness and my, how desperate I was to have an answer. God like put all those events in place for me to realize that this isn't the right one for you. You need to get out. This is not the guy that have planned out for you. And so listen to the Lord. Number one, And then secondly, take advice from your family. But I did it in a way where I said, hey, I need like actual facts and actual words or actions that you saw from him as the reason why I shouldn't marry him. And my family was able to give good facts about why I shouldn't marry him. So also do that with your family. If you feel like they're just giving you nonsense of opinions or whatever, just say, can you pinpoint to a time or actual events where of why I shouldn't marry him? And so they were very gracious about that and was able to do that and just able to really speak from their heart. And that was very great advice for my counselor that she told me to do. Um, that really spoke volumes to me. And then third, like your friends, your friends are ones, your true best friends they're the ones that they want you to succeed in life. And so they're going to give you the truth. And so I think you should definitely listen to your best friends because they want you to be in a marriage that's going to bring life and love and all the fruits of the spirit out of it. And so they'll be able to tell you what's wrong, what's right in that. And also like your bridesmaids are the ones who are going to tell you and uphold your relationship. Like my bridesmaids were nervous about standing up beside me and they told me that. And so if your bridesmaids are like nervous about that, take that to heart and figure out and ask them like, what do you see what's wrong that probably I'm not seeing because I'm in the relationship and you're the outside looking in. Confirmation bias is what it's called. Like you, you look for evidence to support what you want to see, even if there really isn't much evidence. Like we, we look for it. We look for any strain of little bitty, like, Oh, well he bought me flowers that one time, even though they were weeds. And you know what I mean? Like we look for, <laughs> we look for anything. Um, but having those outside voices who don't have their everything clouded in confirmation bias is so, so powerful. That's awesome. It really is. Well, Callie, you are amazing. Thank you for sharing this story. I think it's going to help so many young women just making the best decision 
when it comes to one of really the best, the biggest decisions of their lives, marriage. I mean, you can't be too careful. And a lot of times we get clouded in how to make that decision wisely. So I think you've given a lot of wisdom. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on this show. I appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you on social media? Yes. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, all those KJ Smith 07. So give me a follow and I would love to talk with you if you have like personal questions or I'm an open book. And so I would love to talk to girls about it. So yeah, just give me a follow and I'll follow you back. If you're in a similar situation, reach out to Kylie. She is so sweet. I'm sure she would be willing to help you out. So thank you so much for being here. Yes. And last book I recommend is the Every Single Moment by Stephanie Mae Wilson. I've been doing that. And she gives you journals about how to pray for your future husband. So that's another book I suggest, by the way. Shout out to Stephanie. Love her content. That's awesome. Yes. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Kylie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Take a screenshot and put this up on your social. Tag me at Katie Bulmer Life. By the way, I love your DMs. I'm just a regular girl who responds to all my DMs. I never thought I had to clarify that, but apparently some people don't. You actually do me a favor when you reach out and tell me what you want to hear more of because I'm no longer a 20-something, but my passion is to keep my thumbprint on the pulse of what you guys are walking through, what you want to hear more of, what resonates. So please reach out. Do not be shy. And lastly, those of you who leave a review on iTunes is the best possible compliment you can give. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope that you gain some truth for your 20s. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And our work here is done.